Welcome to the Donor Project Podcast, where infertility doesn't mean childless. I'm Dr. Miranda Miles, the Contemporary Conceptionist, and I help women and men using donor eggs bring their baby home sooner. This is what happens when a women's health expert chooses to use donor eggs to create her unique family. Think about the Donor Project podcast as your go-to place for everything you need to know about using donor eggs to bridge the gap between you and your baby. Because every woman deserves the opportunity to be a mum and every man a dad. Welcome to episode five of the Donor Project podcast. I am so wrapped to have with me today the beautiful Joanna Tan, who you may, many of you would probably know much more as Joanna from IVF Tribe on Instagram. Joanna is a fabulous physiotherapist with a passion for helping people get to be their most healthiest versions of themselves and to take control of their bodies. She absolutely loves the outdoors and started a hashtag look up movement on Instagram, which many of you will have known, will know about and will be following. So welcome lovely Joanna. Thank you for joining me today from your hospital room in quarantine in Malaysia. Tell me what's going on, Joe. Thank you for having me, Miranda. Yes, um, I, I will share the funny story that happened before this. Yeah. <laughs> I came on. I came on at eleven o'clock with my hair wet, just getting out the shower, and Miranda goes, "Oh, we're recording this." So I'm like, "Hang on, let me dry my hair, let me put a face on, and let me actually put a top on." So here we are, half and an you hour look later. Beautiful. You look beautiful. Day seven, hotel quarantine. Well, uh, this is the first time I have a face because you know I've just been <laughs> getting in the shower, having a wet hair putting on active wear and uh, not giving a shit of how I look like. So Why would you? I, I, I feel human now. Thanks to you. <laughs> you look gorgeous. Thank it's you. such a pleasure to have you here. It's so, so beautiful to have you and to your, your willingness always to share your story um, on Instagram has helped so many women um, through your IVF journey. Um, just share Joe with people now where you're at where 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 are you at with your with your journey we are now on well, nick and i are now in hospital quarantine in malaysia because we've chosen to go down the donor path after a very very long two years of um IVF treatments with my own eggs we decided to go down the donor path so we are now in quarantine in malaysia and hopefully we'll get out in seven days and we will pursue um, our donor fertility cycle. And how are you feeling about it? Ner nervous now? Um, yeah, nervous. Is that because of your journey? You feel nervous? Yeah, a little bit yeah. of PT PTSD, whatever doesn't work. You know, we've sacrificed so much to get here. It wasn't easy to get over here. Um, yeah, just, and I've heard stories of, you know, people not getting success the first you know, the first go in the, in the donor cycle. So I have that all in the back of my mind. Um, and it, it is, I'm just, yeah, a little bit nervous, scared. Well, not a little bit, a lot nervous. <laughs> it's, it's a <gasps> process. So I remember um, the first time when I did mine with Charlie, when I had Charlie and we were going to Thailand. Um, and I remember making the decision to use donor eggs and thinking, fantastic, I'm finally going to be a mum. And there was a a huge sense of relief around that and in my in my heart I think I knew it was going to work right 
but there was your head gets in the way and you start looking at the statistics and you know it can still take three rounds of donor egg IVF before you get a successful outcome because they're still playing around with the drugs and doing all sorts of you know tweaking of things to make it right um, so it can still be a really nerve-wracking process and particularly on the back of your history as well so just just so people know share with people the the the, the back history before you made the decision to use donor eggs? Um, we did 10 rounds of IVF with my own eggs. Um, and I think similar like you, I got, I mean, 10 rounds, I think I got, I collected 145 eggs. So for my age at 45 or 43, 44 at the time, it's a lot of eggs for my age. Amazing. Unfortunately, it was, it was the quality. Um, we did all the tests, but in my heart of hearts, I knew it was, it was an egg quality issue. I mean, you get slapped with the unexplained infertility, with, with your, which is really a, a shit diagnosis. It's not a diagnosis. It's not a diagnosis whatsoever. But yeah, in my heart of hearts, I knew I was, you know, 44 really in the thick of things. It, it was my quality. So um, we got the eggs, we got the embryos, but we always sort of left with, you know, one to transfer, none to freeze. So I, I had to keep going, you know, cycle after cycle after cycle, um, which put a toll on my body, on finances, on my relationship with Nick, um, everything. So I did seven back-to-back -back cycles when I first started. So that was hard. That wow. was hard. Wow. Um, I, I did three back and, and was, was a bit of a basket case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know left from right from up to down. And yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was just horrendous and yeah, a blur, really a blur right now to look back mm -hmm. on too. And you started that in 2019, I think, is that right? Yeah. <clears throat> so those mm -hmm. 10 rounds from, in two, from 2019. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a lot of drugs and a lot of medications to be going through. Um, mm -hmm. And we all know, of course, you did actually conceive what you did have a successful conception yep. and um, pregnancy with a, unfortunately a, an early uh, loss, which is just, yep. you know, so much love and so much um, grief, um, so much love for you and so much grief. Um, is that, was that the turning point for you where you just went, I can't, I can't keep doing this? The loss was, the loss was horrific and, uh, and anyone would, would understand that. Um, and I go into, you know, what's, I, I went into like, what's next? It's almost, I, I didn't have time to, to really process, although I was seeing a psychologist and he, he's great. Um, I almost went into what can we do next? And my specialist, Lynn Burmeister, she was happy for me to do another round. She, she, she gave me all, you know, the statistics. She, she knew, you know, what, not, not the risk, but you know, what the outcomes would be. But um, I think for me, I needed to do one more round just to close the book. Um, if we got nothing, we got nothing, but I just, for me, I needed to do another round and I was adamant about it. Um, and, and Nick, uh, um, I guess he just followed along and <laughs> let me do what I wanted to they do. They tend to do that <laughs> when it gets to this point. They just tend to go, whatever you want to do, we'll do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, but in, in that time of like sort of waiting for my period to come, um, I sort of went back. When I, I actually have, I was, um, or I did a lot of research on donor 
even before I fell pregnant. So before the before COVID hit, mm. um, before the first Melbourne lockdown, I was sort of researching that, and and that was very hard for me. I couldn't deal with it. I think I did a month of research on Facebook forums, on you know, um, internet, and I, I I felt like my life was sucked out of me. I was so depressed. I I didn't want to. You know, every time I opened anything about you know donor donor embryos, I I just like like yeah the life was sucked out of me I didn't want to read about it I, I had to read about it but I didn't want to read about it so I had done a lot of research I had that all there yeah um so I reopened that book um sort of that you know that that file of mine after I lost our baby mm-hmm. and did more research contacted you know clinics around around the world and um and I basically um It was, it was almost a time thing. I Basically, I just thought, oh, my God, I can actually, you know, go down this path. You know, travel isn't impossible. Yeah. I can actually get pregnant this year. Um, so then I thought, if I do another cycle, we'll do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, it would just prolong the donor, the donor pathway. Yeah. And so I just thought, if I could get pregnant this year, no, nah, that's it. So let's go down that path. Um, I was happy to let my genetics go at that point. Uh, when, I, when I knew that, you know, this could really happen despite COVID, despite the travel, despite the, the challenges that, you know, um, quarantine represented, uh, that, that it could happen. So it, that sort of flipped the, the coin for me a little bit. Mm. So it's certainly uh, not an easy decision or an easy process. Um, and it, it can take so much time and so much courage to be able to go, you know what, I'm just so at that point where I just want to be a mum that the genetics starts not to matter so much anymore. That's not to say that it's easy. It's not easy to let go of your genetics and and to go, okay, my genes are going to die with me. Basically it's um, there is a process you need to go through to get to that point, I think, and to really um, appreciate that. But it's also that understanding, you know, we've all seen the, the quotes from Oprah Winfrey saying that, you know, DNA doesn't make a family. Um, it's love that makes family, not DNA. We've, we've all seen that um, when we're working this this space. <laughs> and that gives such comfort because it's not about DNA. It's about so many other things. It is, you know, your donor-conceived child is your blood. It's your energy. It's your vitality. It's, it's everything that you are, just not, you know, a little bit of DNA. <laughs> Until until you reach that point, I think it's very hard for a lot of women because I do get messages every day, you know, my partner's going through what you're going through, you know, we're trying to reconcile the fact we need donor. How did you and Nick, you know, come to this point? I'm like, I can't tell you how I came to this point. You have to do it yourself. That's like, right. You know? <laughs> That's right. You do um, you it's, it's your own point yourself. It's your own journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, look, I, you know, in my darkest darkest of nights I you know I still do think you know what if you know I I, I see a little me or I see a little uh, yeah I see myself in my child and I, I do mourn that still but I look at the bigger picture so you know yeah my my darkest of nights I, I do still grieve and mourn and I, I don't think that will ever go away um at all but yeah there, there's, a bigger, really, there's a bigger picture yeah 
And that's a really interesting thing to sort of um, explore, Joe, because I, I, obviously I have two children of my own and Charlie's six and he was from one particular egg donor and then Matilda's two, or two almost three and she's from a different egg donor. Um, and it's, it's amazing the number of people who will say, you know, your children look like you, um, who don't know my story. Um, and that's always really quite... I've, I think I've got the, the, the comeback now if I ever get asked that, you know, who do you know? Who, they look like themselves. Mm -hmm. They look like who they're supposed to look like. They're supposed to, oh, I love that. Oh, my God. I know, I know so I'll get beautiful. it. I know, I know I'll get it from strangers and it will lie. <laughs> but that's my comeback. Oh, that's my I love story. it. I love I because I I sort of I grieved all of that DNA as well. And then I, I look at my 17-year-old niece who um particularly when she was in her early teens, 12, 13, 14, she was the, she's the spitting image of me. And when I saw that, I knew in my heart of hearts that oh, you know, my, my two children will never look that much like me as my niece does. But that is such a beautiful thing that they look like who they're supposed to look like. It's gorgeous. Who they're meant to be. And, and yeah, that's, I love that. It's a beautiful thing to say. So tell me, Joe, why did you go Malaysia? Let's flesh that I, one. <laughs> I searched the world. <laughs> I searched I'll the whole world. Did. If I could go, uh, if I could go to South Africa or Greece, which is, I have to say, so much cheaper, I yes. would. But they don't have the particular characteristics um, and features in a donor that I particularly want. Yes. And, you know, for many women, it may not matter to them. But for me personally, to be able to move on to this, you know, this, this path, I, I needed a donor that looked like me. Um, Nick is obviously Italian, Greek, and, you know, sort of Caucasian. So if I popped out a white baby, it's, it's just gonna create issues really <laughs> unnecessary questions so so it, it will cut the questions down quite substantially yeah 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 and so if i can yeah. cut that out like yeah 50 percent gone yes <laughs> yes but even that in itself you know to to try to get an um a, a particular characteristic and features that you required in australia was impossible yeah Impossible I did, yes, yes, I was, I'm on all the forums, the, the international donor forums, donor egg, egg donor forums. And yeah, and it's, it's very limited. There's literally, there's very limited Asian donors and Asian yes. donors of my heritage. And also, you know, donors that are a particular age that I was looking for. So mm. it was very, yeah, it was very restrictive. Mm, very much so. And then, you know, how, how do you feel about the anonymous versus non sort of process? Are you, does it bother you either way? Um, it doesn't bother me either way, but I would, I would have preferred more information. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the clinics here don't provide as much as uh, donor agencies in South Africa. I've, ha I've had profiles from South Africa and donor agencies and it's, it's pages of information, quite substantial information. Yes. Um, and I, I don't have that here. Um, mm. I've, you know, I've reconciled. I've, I've just spoke to my nurse who I've, ha I've had a beautiful relationship with and I actually showed her, I, you know, I took out the, the, the photo and the name of the donor or the number of the donor and I, I showed her what, you know, other clinics do provide. And she, she was quite shocked at, you know, the amount of information that 
it's sort of out there and she mm-hmm. she's actually in the process of changing the questionnaire for their clinic to provide more information. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So she re-interviewed my donor and she got me a little bit more information, not a lot, but a little bit more that I sort of felt, okay, I made the right decision. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. And then I also do wonder, you know, as, as you know, DNA gets um, or DNA testing and genetic testing gets even more refined, whether there'll be processes where it becomes a little bit easier to find your anonymous donor I'm not so worried about I was more worried about medical issues that would come out that was more my my worry um so my child wanted to find my donor yeah Mm -hmm. a donor mother yeah Mm -hmm. that's a it's a yeah it's an important element to it all as well you know to have that that medical that medical history history Mm. It's um, one of my patients at the moment, she has just done a donor egg conception and has just had her baby. But right before um, she, so I think she was at 33 weeks and she was contacted to say that, that she, so she had a sperm donor, she used her eggs in a sperm donor. And she was contacted just uh, around the 33 week point to say that the sperm donors mother had just been found to have the BRCA gene for breast cancer, uh, which now means that there's a a high risk, obviously, for her daughter. Um, And that was quite devastating for that to come out, you know, at at that point. Pregnancy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's, it's, the, the more medical history you can have, I think, obviously, Mm. the better. And tell me, it is. How, sorry. No, no, it is. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Tell me, how does Nick feel about it all? Is he going along okay? He's going along okay. He was actually, um, he wanted to go down this path way earlier than I did. Oh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, it was weird. Uh, I told him about it uh, and I was open to it and he wasn't at all. And then somewhere along the line, after all our fail cycles, he flipped and I flipped the other way. I was like, no. <laughs> and then he was. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we did this sort of uh, 180 flip um, about how we felt about it. Um, yeah. As, as we went through our, you know, our, our own separate journeys. <laughs> That's really interesting because what I find with a lot of the males um, is that they are they tend to be a little bit more reluctant usually so um, when it's first raised they're they're quite reluctant he was he was reluctant yeah. he, didn't under, he didn't understand it i had to explain uh in quite detail um about what it meant what mm. it is um what it would look like mm. and yeah he he then flipped and i flipped the other way <laughs> It's so funny because most most of my my women tell me that it's there that it's the the males that are yes reluctant initially mm. but but it takes quite a lot of convincing to get them over the line to sort of go well yeah let's do this because I think for the males there's this this one element of well hang on I married you I want to have or I I'm, you're my partner I want to have mm. your baby. Um, and then I think so. I think that's the first element. And the second element is I think they can feel quite guilty that it will be genetically 
theirs, but not genetically yours. Mm. And so I mm. think there's often some, um, I don't know, some guilt associated with that. Is it guilt? No, guilt? I'll ask him. Yeah. No, I don't, no, I don't think he feels guilt. Yeah. Do you feel guilt? <laughs> Of course, he's about, there about, with, you know, no, donor. no. Donor he says no. Good, that's good. <laughs> I, I'm, it's always such a fascinating thing, though, when they, you know, they just take that little bit of time to to get there, and, and I know that's for me. I was there very, very quickly after the three rounds of IVF that I did that were just debacles. Um, so for me, the decision was very, very easy, and and it, it just took a little bit for Jeff to. To kind of get there, which I, I well, I'll put it. I'll put it this way: Nick is a numbers man, so he just gave me statistics. Like with my egg, it was less than two percent. So he's like, <laughs> I don't know whether you can hear that. I can hear it's him. Like, I can't hear what he's saying. He's like, if I, you know, if I told you that, you know, you would you have a car accident, um, you would a ninety-eight. I'm like, earpods keep falling out, sorry. Um, if you had a 98% chance of, you know, having a car accident, would you go and drive your car? So it's like, we've got 98% chance of failure. Why are we keeping, you know, why, why do we keep doing this? It's <laughs> so, interesting when you flip the statistics around the other way, because I was obviously, I was being quoted at my age at that point, I was being quoted 8% chance of success. Yeah. My no, life. we've got 2%. <laughs> and, and when you flip it and go, well, that's a 90 percent, a 92% chance of not conceiving. It's like, oh yeah. my goodness, versus, you know, it's 75%, 50 to 75% chance of the donor egg working. In so he's like, let's, he just wants to flip the, you know, the percentage statistics to, to our favour. So that was, that was pretty much why it was so important. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a good process to be going through. Um, all right, so you in hotel a little bit. What was that, darling? I think I've, I think I've lost you a little bit. Oh, have you? Have you have, still got me? It says internet. Oh yeah, here you go. You're back. Yeah. The wonders of technology between countries. <laughs> the internet has been playing up, and I can tell you now, Nick is very upset. Um, partly because it's it's a Formula One weekend, and it's a V8 Supercar weekend, and he can't watch any of it because the Wi-Fi is terrible. He's sitting there like a little boy being really silky because <laughs> he can't watch his V8s and Formula One. <laughs> Joe, tell me, how did you choose your donor? Um, how many profiles did you wind up with? I think we got sent, I want to say 15. 15 wow. Okay. Um, look, honestly, if, you know, I can tell you, if anyone wants some Chinese Malaysian donors, like, Go, go to the country because there's there's tons. There <laughs> like is. There's, tons. there's yeah. so many donors, um, and they're all you know they're all well. Like I'm not going to say they look like me. They don't look like me, but they've got you know the features that I want. They're Malaysian. Mm -hmm. They're Chinese. Mm. Yeah, you know the other the other thing I you know I sort of wanted was height because I'm actually quite tall for an Asian. Mm -hmm. So that was mm -hmm. kind of what I looked for height pretty much height, um, not necessarily weight, but just, yeah, height and um, the sort of slim build that I, that I have. 
Mm. 15 donors is quite a lot. When, um, when I first did mine in Thailand, and we, we obviously had Caucasian donors, but I was handed 52 profiles. I was like, oh my God. No, no, see, then that's too much. I think it that's just like, you know how you get a how you get a menu or a wine menu you're like oh i know it's like <laughs> just too yeah it was exactly <laughs> like that and so what we did was we printed off a set each of all the donor profiles and set them out on the table and we and what we were told to do was I've to lost you a little bit there again. yeah have you lost me um yeah yeah you're back <laughs> okay we were told yeah. to choose our top five right so jeff and i went through it and went okay you choose your five and we had a couple that were the same but we still weren't convinced and then we sort of sat on it for a while and then they sent us another um another lot of donor profiles and there was a new one on on the list and i just knew straight away i just she i just I kind of fell into her eyes. It was this thing of, oh my God, there she is. That's that's the one. She just jumped out at me. It was quite um, quite an interesting process. But I think I think a lot of the time women can get very attached to their donors and very attached to um, some of the features of them. And sometimes it's like, you know what, just step back a little bit and just just know that you're going to have a baby. I think that's yeah. Really I I didn't get attached. I was like, yeah, no, I, I didn't feel that attachment at all. Mm. <laughs> well, that's nice though. That's really nice not to feel, you know, overly attached or um, yeah. I think that's a good thing because then when we had to choose a second donor, in fact, we chose we chose a second donor for Matilda, and that didn't work. Mm. And a third donor. Um, and she was the one that we got Matilda from. But it's really interesting because when we did um, Matilda, we went to Malaysia as well, um, which I think you and I talked about. And uh, we were in Penang rather than um, mm -hmm. KL. Yeah. yeah, and used a, a different group from what you guys are using uh, for our Caucasian donors. And they have a lot of Chinese Malaysian mm -hmm. donors as well. Um, and... Uh, it was, it was just an interesting process to, to go through. And now I still have six embryos sitting there in Malaysia that I can't get. They're all stuck there. I know. You have to come here, but I know you don't want to quarantine. <laughs> I know. I'm a bit nervous to quarantine. <laughs> but, you know, maybe that's Well, the... it's, not, it's not easy with just me and Nick. So I can't imagine with you, if you bring your two kids here, it, it'll be a nightmare. <laughs> I think if I did it, I'd go by myself because ours are already as embryos. So it would be like, you know. True, true. Yeah, true, and, true. Um, and do it myself. We did actually investigate whether we could get the, um, get the, the, the donor to agree to us getting them transported back to the embryos, transported back to Australia just because of COVID and, and, you know, all of the difficulties. Um, but she, because she's an anonymous donor, um, she didn't want to agree to that. So that was like, okay, that's the end of that road. Then I'll have to go back to Malaysia. <laughs> was it traumatic getting over there? Um, yes. yes. In a nutshell? Yes. 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 I thought I, I, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell, how much time do we have? Um, we, I packed, we all ready to go. Got to the airport. Uh, I had all my documentations, what I thought I needed, um, and we got. I just thought you could leave, but um, the Australian Border Force 
they were all over the place. They were checking everyone's documentation. And um, the airlines, SQ, I don't blame them. They've, they've got this Bible of, you know, every exemption for every country possible. So they were looking through mine. They couldn't find the particular one I had. So I'm standing for 10 minutes, just looking through it all. And she's like, oh, here it is. I've never seen it before. And then, you know, they, they do read um, all the details required. And it, it seemed to them we didn't have one particular letter, uh, which they'd never seen before as well. So, you know, they were sort of Googling what this DGI letter was. It was, you know, a, a letter from the Director General of Immigration. And um, we could see that he was CC'd on, on all, all our letters. But um, to them, they they just thought they still needed this particular letter. And then they showed me a sample. I'm like, I've never seen it. No one's ever told me I needed it, blah, 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 blah. So we stood in check-in for two hours. Wow. We got there at 8.30 and Nick was like, why are we getting to the airport so early? There's no one flying. We'll be fine. Uh, 10.45, we're still not boarded for 11.30 flight. Oh. <laughs> yes, it was, it was very traumatic. So anyway, they were talking to their counterparts in Malaysia and they were WhatsApping and so they were getting responses that were quite on the fence. So in the end, it was like, instruct the passengers to board. Um, but let them know there's a 50-50 chance of them getting turned back. We oh can my. only check the we can only check the validity of their approval once they get here. I'm like, why can't you check now? Oh. <laughs> they're like, they're like, no, they have to board and get here. You know, and then <laughs> the SQ staff, they were all like, they were all, <laughs> they were all rooting for us. <laughs> they're like, oh, you know, I I, they were like, we've never had this response from the airline. It's always a hard no or a hard yes, because if you board and you get sent back, we get a big, huge fine. Uh, and then you have to quarantine back in Melbourne. So they never say, they never say yes, unless they, they know for sure. But they've also never said, put them on and there's a 50-50 chance. So, you know, they were sure that we should board. Nick, Nick didn't want to board. <laughs> I was going to say, because uh, he has a fear of flying anyway, I think, doesn't he? He's a bit anxious about it anyway. Yes. So go and that can sit back and then that have to go help. Oh. No, that, that, was, that was not a very good two hours sitting there on the floor. Oh, it's just... <laughs> um, but anyway, I... Last we, thing you need. Yeah. So we made the call to board and I was messaging my nurse and messaging a lady that actually worked at the Malaysian Health Tourist Council. I instantly met her on Facebook and she had helped me a lot uh, through our documentation and our paperwork. And I was, uh, this was uh, 10.30 at night, I was messaging her. So it was, you know, 8.30 um, our time here. And both of them wrote back, both of them, after the fact that we decided to board and checked in and was, you know, past the uh, duty free they both rang me and assured me basically assured me that someone will be on the other side we've all we've got the right documents someone will be there to meet us greet us take us through immigration and everything's okay so to get that call before we bought it that was yeah, that made all the difference to our flight and us, and us actually enjoying the flight and sleeping you look like you were enjoying it <laughs> <laughs> we paid for that flight i was going to enjoy it Oh, and then basically you got to the other end and so they met you there straight into the ambulance and straight to hospital quarantine. The immigration took a bit. There was, um, I was glad someone met, met, met us there because there was, it was like six checkpoints of the same similar question and we had to download a, um, uh, an app that's basically like a home 
surveillance app. It's a great app. I don't know why Australia doesn't have it. <laughs> don't know why we don't have it. Um, now Australia tends to get behind yes, it. I know. So, yeah, we had to download that app, which, you know, everyone in quarantine um, had to check in on. So it's sort of monitored. Um, and then we went through those, I don't know, five or six checkpoints. Felt like the same questions, but I was, I was glad she was there to, you know, to talk us all through them. And then, yeah, I, I was like, oh, this is taking me a long time. I hope no one steals our luggage. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> you had something like 100 kilos of luggage too, didn't you? You took all the food for your, your hospital quarantine just in case. Yeah, I used up my 80 kilos of business class luggage allowed, yes, and plus carry-on. Wow. Uh, but no one checked. No one, it was just sort of the, the full bags were sort of there when we got out and we were taken to the ambulance. So there was no, there was no customs, but no one checks customs in, in Asia. You can bring in anything really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that's good because I did actually wonder how you got all that food because you wouldn't be able to do it the other way from no, no, Asia to Australia. No. Um, but that's awesome that because I yeah. think. You know, because you're still going through an IVF process, aren't you? You're still going through all of that. You still need good food and you need to be nourished and you need to be nurtured. And for you, who's missing out on exercise and the outdoors, at least you've got, you know, some reasonable uh, food. And my avocados. They're going rotten, but I'm so, I still have them. I, just, I, wondered, I wondered how you got avocados there. I brought 12. <laughs> have you got any left? Are they all done? Yes. No, no. I've got like seven or oh, six left, I think. I'm Avocado rationing them now. But Fertility fact from the gods, them. Good old I'm, I'm, ra I'm rationing them, but like now I'm like, oh my God, I really got to eat them because they're all going black, black and rotten. Yeah, <laughs> they would be starting now. They would be. Yeah. Now, the other thing, Joanna, that I wanted to talk to you about as well was, so we know that obviously when you're going through donor egg IVF, we don't have to worry about the quality of the... Of, of eggs we don't have to be you know focusing on that as opposed to when you were doing IVF with number one fertility obviously you were trying to focus on that egg quality but now what we focus on um, from us and I'm talking about a supplemental nutritional sort of perspective is we're focusing on your lining your uterine lining and circulation because we still need that that transfer to obviously stick you know we wanted that little embryo to to bury in there. So tell me what, um, what uh, nutrient regime or supplement regime do you have going at the moment? I know you're a queen of taking the supplements, but I think it's really important that women understand that even though we're using beautiful, young, whatever age, gorgeous quality donor eggs, we still need to be ready ourselves. Our bodies still need to be ready to accept that egg or that embryo. Mm -hmm. and to make sure that we've got a good uterine lining, good blood flow. So what's sort of your main kind of nutrient regime at the moment? What are you doing? It's, it's still actually quite similar to egg quality because a lot of the egg quality ones are all antioxidants. So I've been taking them for years anyway, even before IVF. I was, you know, a supplement queen. People would say, you know, you've got very expensive urine. And I'm like, I'd rather have expensive urine than not have them. So, you know. Some sort of insurance policy, yeah? You do what you do, I'll do what I do. Exactly, um, exactly. So it wasn't a big change for me just to add on more antioxidants. Um, <laughs> I'd have, I haven't really dropped anything. Um, I'm probably more concentrated now on vitamin E for lining. Yes. 
Yes, yeah. vitamins. That's what I was um, looking at, sort of get, getting that really good quality vitamin E and coenzyme mm, N. Yeah, um, ubiquinol I take. Um, so vitamin C, vitamin E. Um, take NAC, gluten a good um, prenatal. Explain to everyone why, why NAC, um, the N-acetylcysteine. Um, basically my mitochondria. Mitochondrial. My, yeah, mitochondrial um, health. So it's the much. mitochondrial energy yeah. with the coenzyme mm. yeah. 10 And also it really, really improves when you are doing a whole IVF process. It improves the responsiveness as well. So it's absolutely fantastic from that perspective. Mm. And you're on glutathione yeah. as well? Yeah. So beautiful liver. Just, just a double whammy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Because NAC turns into glutathione anyway. Correct. Um, yeah. Anything else that you're taking? Anything else that you're focusing um, on? Fish oil. Yep. Uh, zinc, yep. selenium, what else? Uh, I think that's sort of it. I take a lot of probiotics, yes. you know. Yes. Um, and they're so important because, you know, we used to think that the uterine micro or the uterus was quite mm. sterile without much of a microbiome in there, but we now know that it has a very dynamic microbiome. And if you've got the wrong bugs, then you're creating this inflammatory immune response in your uterus that then makes it really, really hard for a little embryo to stick. No matter where the embryos come from, whether it's donor, yeah. donor sperm, you, and it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. you still, this is about implantation. So one of the most important mm. things is making sure that that uterus and that uterus yeah. microbiome are beautiful. So that's great. Uh, yeah, especially when I will be on antibiotics for a little bit. So, yeah, I'm definitely upping up the um, the vaginal ones for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the, the current drug regime that you're doing at the moment for the, the donor process? It will be, um, it's not a H, oh, it could be a HRT. I don't know what, what, what it's called really, but I, uh, I downregulate it with a massive dose of decapeptal, yeah. which most of you saw on my Instagram, which is horrific, the needle. Um, and then it'll be uh, Progenova and I'll be on immune protocols because I, I wanted to be on um, those protocols. But my, unfortunately, my natural killer cells um, are slightly elevated again. Okay. It, actually, it actually was normal last year, but uh, I had another biopsy um, earlier this year and it went up again. So I will be on immune protocols, which I've always been on. So yeah, we won't, we won't change that. Yeah. And I think this is, this is also, you know, part of the really important conversation is even though you're doing don like donor eggs, you still need to be looking after that, that entire environment. And you could still be doing exactly the same protocols that you were doing with IVF with your own eggs. And mm. I, I think women realize that. I think they kind of go, oh, cool. I've got donor eggs going on. We'll mix it with some sperm and make this beautiful embryo. And it, it'll go and it'll all be fine. It's like, no, 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 no. There's still a drug regime to do this. Yeah. Well, there is a whole process, but I also would encourage ladies to advocate for themselves because they they didn't give me an immune protocol. I asked, right? And I ah. get these drugs. I'm going to get these drugs and I want these drugs and they were happy with it. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I agree. Advocate for yourselves. You know, be educated. Know what you're going in for. Don't just kind of fall into it. Like, know what's going on and know what your body's doing and, and push for it. You know, it's really, really important because... Um, you are your own health advocate and you're the only one who knows your body the best. Absolutely. And you really want to be in that really good um, situation. One of the things that I found really um, different 
from when I was doing IVF in Australia. Basically, you know, you, when you have a transfer, you walk into the clinic, drop your pants, up goes the embryo and you walk out again and go back to work, yeah? Or you go and get on with your day. Whereas when I did it in Malaysia, um, they're very much, um, we do the transfer. You, you actually admitted to hospital, you do the transfer, then you are not allowed to move for two hours they oh, empty really? your bladder for you. Yeah, catheter goes oh, in. God, no. They basically say, do not move for the next two hours. And they, they lie you, you stay on your hospital bed and they tilt the hospital bed backwards a little bit so that you, for two hours on a tilt backwards, you can't move. And then they say for the next 24 hours, be a princess. Just don't do anything. Just go home, go back to your, for you, it'll be back to your hospital room, legs up the wall and just Netflix binge and don't do anything for the next 24 hours, which is so different from Australia. It's such a different... Um, well, we, they go through. it is, well, it's, I think it's a cultural thing. Well, it's yeah. maybe it could be a culture thing because, I mean, Asians do practice the confinement, you know, after pregnancy. Yeah. So, you know, you don't move for 40 days. <laughs> you don't shower for 40 days, so... Yeah. <laughs> it it probably a is a little know. bit of that. Yeah. I don't know that we'd be able to do it for 40 days though, Joe. <laughs> Goodness me. Mm -hmm. Now, Joe, share with the audience where they can find you. You took your bliss balls with you, didn't you? Did you take Sorry, I, I, sorry I just lost you a bit there. I you, missed that question. You took your bliss balls with you, didn't you? Yes, I did. I love it. <laughs> So share with, audience, share with my beautiful audience where people can find you and be sure to jump on and grab some of Joanna's beautiful bliss balls because they're fertility friendly and gorgeous. Uh, going through IVF or fertility, that would be a beautiful thing to have. But share with everyone where we can find you, Joe. You can find me on at IVF underscore tribe and the bliss balls are at Joanna's bliss balls. Um, you won't get them until I get back. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> but they are delicious and Nick can vouch for that because uh, thanks to him, I have a little side bliss ball business. <laughs> so good. I love it. Joe, thank you so much for spending, I don't know, the last 45 minutes with <laughs> us and share, being so gracious in sharing your story and thank you for, for continuing to share your story with everybody. Uh, it's, it's such an empowering thing and so helpful for women who just are trying to navigate this space. And I think your, um, your frankness and your openness and your just being you, like there's no smoke and mirrors. It's just, I think that's what's really accept, um, appreciated by the wider community. So thank you. It's, um, it's my pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure. Absolutely. If I can help one person, it was, it was worth it. That's exactly right. Thank you so much for sharing your time. Enjoy your last seven days. Seven days. Hospital quarantine. <laughs> I'll be watching. <laughs> much love to you, Joe. Good luck, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.